Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's most prominent media, we'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to the Experts Podcast. Hello, Lana Hilkuani. <laughs> yes, true. Hey, you hello, just got Nick married. Hayes. You just got married. I did just get married. Well done. We're going to have to get Thanks. used to that, changing the name. It's... I know. We can, I can just be Lana Hill at work okay. if that's easier. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. That's much easier. <laughs> uh, a really exciting podcast we've got in front of us here today. I know. Um, now, you know, many of, many of the experts and, and people looking to, to try and engage and understand how media works will know that we do work with a lot of commercial outlets. But we do. there is nothing bigger than the big one, the yes. ABC. The Australian Broadcasting Corporation. Oh, look, we need that perspective. and <laughs> there do. And there is no better person to have a chat to than a journalist that works in it, has been working in it for quite some time, Dan Ziffer, author and journalist. Welcome to the show, Dan. Oh, you guys are too kind. It is lovely to be here. Mate, you are, uh, you are a figurehead, I think, uh, a very notable face that uh, does pop up in it. You've had a big years, big years in radio, but your, your experience working in the TV, I'm seeing it everywhere these days, and not just on the ABC. I only just saw it recently on The Project, Channel 10. How did that happen? Well, as I always say when people see me on television, confronting in high depth. <laughs> uh, you know, there's... People probably shouldn't have got those really big televisions because uh, <laughs> it's quite something uh, when you see yourself there. Um, so look, I'm lucky enough to work at the ABC for the business unit where I work for our business program, which is called The Business, and produce online and TV articles. I do often pop up on the project discussing some of those articles, mainly because I work in a very general business kind of stream. We've got a lot of uh, some of my excellent colleagues who are – you know, people who have quite literally worked at the Reserve Bank who have economics degrees and they do the hard yards on, you know, derivatives and interest rates and hedging and the ASX 20, I often cover a lot more of the kind of general social business issues. Now, we do know that the ABC is well known for the great man, Alan Kohler. Yes. Who uh, I think probably if you were to name three business uh, journalists in this in this country, Alan would be number one. Uh, what's that like working with Alan, Dan? Is it uh, are you are you feeding off him? Are you obviously you're the relief when he's not around? Uh, the, the pinch hitter. Uh, look, Alan is great. Uh, he is uh, such a venerable figure in business journalism, and actually, luckily, we're in the same city, so I do actually get to physically see him. I'm based in Melbourne, as Alan is as well. Um, he has a lot of interest beyond the ABC. He runs. A lot of uh, everything he's uh, featured in the New Daily, uh, formerly of the Australian, and he actually has kind of websites and stuff that talks really hardcore investing uh, chat. But uh, no, look, very lucky to have wonderful colleagues, including Alan, to work with. No, he, he is a ripper, and and I think you know no better person to be learning from, or, or even just being uh, the support network there for. And I think that's the ABC really has stepped that up. I I, I really enjoy the business reporting side from the yeah. ABC. It doesn't tend to say, and I and you know we can say this, Dan. It doesn't carry. The, I I think the lack the less commercial elements yep. of business news is is that fair to say, Dan? 
Oh, look, no, I've got lots of friends who work at um, Nine Newspapers and The Finn and, and The Australian. Yeah, they don't find themselves fettered by, uh, you know, who they work for. They will cover what they want. They will write what they see happening and what they hear in front of them. I think the ABC probably can spend more time on issues that the commercial media don't dive into as much. Some, some of those issues are about the media. Uh, some of those issues are about really large dominant industries like real estate and property and things like that. Um, but certainly Australia is very well served in the field of business and finance with the coverage that we get uh, through the newspapers and the electronic media. It's wonderful stuff. I really do enjoy it. Um, Dan, you were and you have only done one Meet the Media and I have I know I've been asking for years. Please come back. I please missed come back. it. How long ago? Well, it was when he was the producer. Oh, forever ago. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, it's about time for another another stint, I you, think. You were, at, the t- at the time, you were the producer for John Fain, ABC ah. Melbourne. Um, and I think I've never seen sort of an audience as engaged in understanding how John Fain works. But the most important thing is, how does the producer work? Well, I mean, I know we can talk a little bit about the fact that ABC certain has protocols around, you know, what you can and can't do uh, outside of the work. But um, just just regale that time back there, uh, Dan. What, what, what was that like, actually, to connect in with uh, and, and explain what it is that, you know, it is to be working in the media and particularly working for the ABC? Absolutely. Look, and I've worked for um, commercial media previous to that in commercial radio uh, for people like Steve Price and Steve Vizard and Andrew Bolt, uh, and then went to the ABC and did uh, a senior producing role with John Fain who had the mornings program. Uh, each state and territory has its own kind of mornings program, and they generally focus on kind of current affairs, uh, state, national, and local with a focus on the place that they're at. And as you probably have heard from other uh, producers who kind of work in that field, it's it's like throwing a lot of balls in the air and trying to keep them all up uh, before they hit the ground. You know, like you are simultaneously, you know, calling the you know federal minister trying to get them to come onto the program. At the same time, you're trying to track down a person who fell into a drain. Uh, you know, it, there's a huge amount of demands um, on your time. But essentially, you're always looking for the same thing, which is what is interesting to people? What do people want to talk about? What is important? And sometimes, you know, that is going to be the person in the drain uh, more so than it's going to be a particular federal minister. You're always looking for the thing that is a bit different, the thing that people don't know, and the conversation that can add some value about a topic. So it's not just... um, opinion or thought is actually knowledge and understanding. So they are uh, punishing hours, obviously, um, but you require a very large contact book. You're always open to ideas. And I think people sometimes don't understand how much of the media is just an ideas factory. Mm-hmm. And as a result, if you go to the media with a good idea, that more often than not, they'll be receptive because it means it's one less they have to produce themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so true. I love that ideas factory, though. Yeah, what it is. Line. It is. Do you like producing or, or presenting better, Dan? You've obviously, and you know, you were at the age as well. I think, if my research serves me correctly, you've done it all. Do you like being kind of more behind the scenes or, or more the guy out the front? Uh, look, they both have a lot of fun attachment. Certainly in radio, there's a great team effort. You just can't do it without everyone. Yeah. But even when I worked as a magazine editor 
or as a journalist. Like it, it, that ideas generation is always the thing. It is just about what do we do? You know, we've got limited time, we've got limited resource uh, of our audience's time, and what do we do? The presenting, producing thing is uh, it's very different. In some ways, there are different challenges to both of them. I mean, you know, I have to shave now and I'm considering buying a third <laughs> suit. You know, like these are harder. Um, but, Big problems. But also you sometimes but sometimes you lose on that that team aspect. You often work, I work with very different camera operators, I work with a different editor every day. You don't have the same kind of continuity that you do in a radio show or a newspaper section where you are working together, giving up the work uh, and, and getting it to fruition. I love it. Uh, Carl, Carl, do a Carl Stefanovic, Dan. Just uh, one suit for the year. No one will notice. Uh, yes. He was the front man there. and uh, he, he certainly was. And look, I will say I'm very lucky. I am a man. People yeah. don't generally comment on uh, what I wear. Obviously, my hair has gone a bit crazy in the pandemic. People are pretty into that. But uh, <laughs> certainly for my female colleagues, wherever they are, um, their scrutiny is uh, unforgiving and I would say also totally unnecessary. <laughs> Dan, well, talk us about the John Fane years and, you know, I, I, I'll quietly let you know, I, I know not many people listen to this podcast, but I was a massive John Fane fan and I wasn't meant to be because back in the days when I used to do media monitoring, we were meant to be monitoring 3AW and uh, more heavily, of course, ah. because uh, my old boss, Peter Ma used to be on there. But I, 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 I love John Fane's approach to it. How competitive were you as a producer with the opposition? Is it Were you conscious of that? And, I, and the other question I'll throw at you too is that, um, you know, a lot of people talk about the ABC not having to worry about the ratings. I, I think that's very different. I'd love your view on that. Oh, look, there's, there's two separate things. People get very excited about media's competition with their direct rivals, right? So like the, the same time slot or the same uh, kind of program on a different thing. Everyone forgets that in most organisations, the competition is internal. Yeah. So the competition is for resources, for attention, for glory, whatever it is. That, that stuff happens inside the building. Good now, point. that doesn't mean that um, you're not collegiate with the people you're working with. And certainly the ABC, and particularly in the radio station I was in, which was ABC Radio Melbourne, it was an extremely collegiate place where people did work together um, to an extent that I, I was more than aware you don't see at a lot of other radio stations where the programs are very content marginalised. They're very separate. You know, they're in a little compartment. They don't work across the day. There are hosts that don't even talk to each other yeah. on commercial stations, like literally haven't spoken in 10 years. <laughs> um, big names, you know, um, whereas we didn't have that. But the competition is not so much outward focus, uh, except for at times where you're trying to compete to get the same person. You know, like the day after the sure. budget, you both want the treasurer. You know, the, 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 when there's some massive, terrible thing has happened, you both want the police commissioner at the same time. Yeah. So there's that kind of competition. But actually, it's a bit, it, it's not as much of a focus as perhaps people think it is. Um, separately with the ratings, um, we were never explicitly told to focus on ratings. I mean, obviously, as a person, when something that you produce is judged numerically, you're going to take, you know, you know what's counted counts, right? Yep. So, you know, we obviously cared. I can honestly say John did not care. He would not know how it was calculated, um, what the figure was, whether it was going up. He honestly, at the time, would not have known, uh, nor particularly cared. Uh, myself and the production team, we cared because yes. it was important to us. Um, 
But at the same time, as anyone who's involved in radio ratings knows, it's so far beyond your control. Yeah. You know, it, like when, when you actually explain to people step by step how radio ratings work, they will just shake their head and go, you have made this up. And you're like, no, no, no. You really do give people a book and then you walk to somewhere in the next suburb uh, and door knock every second house on the left-hand side. You're like, are you serious? They're like, yes. yes, this is the system we use. It. Like, you it's know, outrageous. Aren't there, digital systems? Aren't, there, aren't there better systems? Like, oh, there are. We don't use them. Uh, you know, so, there's, so you can't get too focused on it. I, I really feel for friends I've had that have worked in FM radio in particular where it's, you know, you're going up points or down points and it's just, it's just arbitrary. Sometimes it just doesn't make sense. So a town, you know, a city the size of Melbourne, 5 million people, has got like 600 people meters for TV. It's got even fewer probably for radio books. <sighs> and you're looking at what's called the minute by minutes in TV, saying, well, why didn't they like this story? And you're like, well, maybe they all just needed to put the kettle on. You know, maybe <laughs> the doorbell rang. Like, who knows? Like, it's not... You know, it's not as though they don't like this particular topic or this particular person. Sometimes stuff just happens, you know. Maybe it was the weather was good, you know. So it, I, I really do feel for people in the commercial world who whose livelihoods are based on the rating. Certainly, it is something everyone looks at. And like democracy, it's kind of like it's a far from perfect system, but it's the one we've got. Yeah, oh, you're so diplomatic at that, Dan. I'll, I'll tell you how <laughs> it is. I reckon it is a complete throw it up in the air. There you go. You talked about balls in the air as far as uh, you know, gaining your stories. I think it is very it's hit and wild. miss. It is yeah. wild. It is oh, wild. Look, it is, look it, is, it is scientific, right? There's a thing in statistics where there's a reason why most surveys are essentially around about 1,000 people. And that's because that gives you the, the general answer. You could ask 10,000 if you want, but it stops being useful because after you ask about 1,000, it averages out. So even sure. if you did ask 10,000, you'd end up with the same thing. Now, if you only ask 10 people, you would get too wild a variance. So look, there's a lot of science in how the ratings are done. Um, and as someone who's uh, you know done well in the ratings, I'll say it's a fantastic system <laughs> and obviously it's working. And when it's going poorly... Well, then you start to uh, lambast the system for how rigged and, and stupid it is. Um, and then you can kind of rail about the insanity of, of how it's produced. Now, let's talk about you, Dan, uh, a financial reporter. Was it always going to be heading in towards finance or was there anything else that you wanted to, to do as a journalist? Oh, look, I've been very lucky uh, in the stuff that I've been able to do. Um, I actually started my career at the age uh, covering arts and entertainment, which is probably where I have most of my contacts and um, depth of knowledge. Uh, at the ABC, through radio and through other things, you just cover everything. Uh, look, I, I am pretty well qualified to talk about most things. I have a bit of a blind spot on sport. I can talk about it, uh, but I'm not, I haven't got that kind of depth that is required. <laughs> I'm tipping, um, you, I'm tipping business, you're a Carlton supporter. Uh, well, I have a bizarrely split family, whereas where the children go for Geelong, Ooh. I'm an Essendon member. Oh. Um, but because neither of those teams had a women's team, and once the AFLW started up, we we're all signed up Carlton W members. Oh, uh, wow. So it's, it's, I know it. I realise it's bizarre, but it just is the way. Diverse, it is. <laughs> diverse, and inclusive. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, but look, I'm lucky enough to talk about business and finance, and it's a really important topic. Um, it's one I think people get scared of, certainly journalists do. Um, every time you talk to people about your job, they're like, oh, I, you know, oh, all the numbers. And you're like, it's not numbers, that's just information. You know, you just have to convey that information. And I think 
sometimes, um, you know, and sport does a similar thing. They don't do enough to include people and to make people understand and thus get them into the topic. Yes, great point. You, there was a fairly big business story running around uh, in the last couple of years. It was a, sort of a royal commission into the banking industry, uh, the old uh, Hain Royal Commission. You wrote a book, A Wunch of Bankers. Best title ever. Thank you. <laughs> right. I think it's the greatest. Uh, how, did you, how, did, how did you get away with that? Uh, with Did the, the, the bosses at ABC go, oh, hang on, is that a bit too controversial? No, they're, they're very supportive. Look, I mean, I, I was lucky enough, and, and sometimes this happens to reporters, when you get onto a big story through no, through no you know, stroke of genius, it just became a, you know, there have been a lot of uh, inquiries into banking. Um, this one just hit at a time where the public was, uh, rightly disgusted by the behaviour they saw. And the commission was structured in a very clever way that's since been copied by others, where they essentially had uh, very clear and understandable personal stories about the problem uh, with witnesses, directly followed by the executive who was in charge of the section of the bank that had caused the problem. So you had straight up problem solution. You know, like they actually linked it together quite well. But it was a huge effort when, uh, you know, we went around the nation. Uh, it went for a whole year. And with all of that knowledge, that kind of really deep knowledge, uh, the journalists don't often have, often most journalists are fairly general in their nature. Sure. Um, yeah, I decided to put it together in a book and then uh, just as, add jokes to try and keep people reading it. it. It is your sense of humour, though. And I think we, we got that at Meet the Media. You you. You've got a really unique sense of humour, um, and but I think it's one that gets everyone. Take it as a compliment. Yeah, please. I think that's a compliment, Dad. Please take that as a compliment, Dad, because I, I think you've got to have a sense of humour in this game. Yes, I think it, it, and it makes who you are, and also too, I think in your reporting, um, and and to work in this industry, you have to have a sense of humour. How is oh, I think particularly particularly in, when you're doing things like radio or news news in general, yeah. uh, most of it is bad. You know, uh, there's, uh, you know, w- the humans are hardwired to focus on the negative. It's why, you know, w- we have reports about, uh, you know, people getting attacked by a shark at a beach. We don't have reports about people not getting attacked by a shark sure. at the beach, which happens sure. a lot more frequently. <laughs> so, you know, so many, it seems like so many bad things are happening and bad things do happen. There are many, many more good or boring things going on, but in the limited time that we have, we do tend to focus on uh, the grim and important things. And as a result, man, if you didn't laugh at it, you would cry all day long. <laughs> you know what? I reckon there's a little project for you. Uh, I'd love to get a. I'd love to read a book from you, sort of a frontline type inspired book around radio oh, and the behind yes. the scenes. I think the that's got to be. I like it. A project there. Well, we do have a lot of fun, and let me tell you, when you get up that early every day, it is pretty real. There is <laughs> there is no hiding who you are. <laughs> Now, Dan, we've we've got to let the, we've got to let the listeners know what makes a business story. What makes a story relevant for you? And then we ask that question of you at a, at a meet the media, yeah. and it's and it's a powerful thing to hear it exactly from the journalist. What makes a business story for you? Oh, look, there's never any one thing, and it's the same with any kind of story in any field. It's you know you can use that typical kind of journalism reverse pyramid, right? So, like, how big is it? If it's about a number, is it about a big number? Is it a billion? You know, if it's about um, a person, is it a person who no one knows 
or is it the CEO of the biggest company in the country? You know, you've got all those kind of standard metrics, you know, like a, a person being annoyed about something is, you know, worth a certain amount. The prime minister being annoyed about something is a much greater amount, mm. you know. So you have those kind of standard ways of working out a story. But also you have the other things that people are drawn to, you know, the uh, the the angle that is the reverse of what you think, you know. So the kind of opposite situation to what usually happens. You know, there's a reason um, that the news runs lots of stories about dogs and cats who are friends. It's really cute. But the reason they run it is that dogs and cats are not normally friends. You know, so with, with business, I mean, it's always hard because many people in business think the fact that they have a product is a story. Yes. Now, it's, the fact that they have a product or something like that is important to them. And it's probably, a, it's a good thing for their business. But there are lots of products. Like, that's fine if you want to write an ad. But, like, why would anyone else be interested in this? You know, what, what is it about what you do or what is it about what your perspective that you're trying to get across that will mean something to someone else or make it, it will have an impact on their lives or it might change their perspective on an issue. Uh, so many times I get contacted by people who literally just have like a product, like, hey, we're doing this. They're like, that's great. Like, but we don't, you know, like, you know, and even when I was at a commercial organization, be like, that, that's great. Do you want me to put you through to the sales department? Like, this is like, this is an advertisement. There's nothing in this for the general public. Um, you know, and so like, as ever with stories, you know, the media is capricious. That's the hardest thing, I think, for people who are trying to get media coverage to, to understand. The media doesn't make any sense. One day, they're really into stories about this topic. The mm. next day, like literally the next day, they couldn't care less. One day, a story about something that seems identical to the thing that you are talking about is big news all across the country. The next day, you know, you can't get people interested. So it, the media is capricious because it's a really unstable meritocracy of what's important that is governed by so many unknowable factors, <laughs> unknowable by you, right? Literally, like, do we have a crew who could get to this? Or I remember when I was at the newspaper when I did arts and entertainment, sometimes I'd wake up and I'd have a story on page one. He's like, oh, gosh, that was not even that great a story. And maybe it had a great picture. Or maybe yes. the rest of the news was so depressing and so bad, they had to put something in there that made people want to push through to page three. You know, So it, there, it, it does seem from the outside really capricious and to not make any sense. And the reason is it doesn't make any sense. There's no <laughs> way you can craft something. Uh, it's almost impossible to craft something that will be a story. The ways to make it easier are those things I talked about before, right? The, the bigger the company, the bigger the number, the bigger the, uh, the people involved, they all help, right? Um, but even then, I guarantee, sometimes we get stories about really big companies doing really big things, and there's just no room that day. Yeah. There's other things happening. There's, you know, so <laughs> it, it is capricious, and it is weird, and it is essentially unfair, and all of those things are unfixable. Oh, look, I, I, I love that, Dan. And, and, and that's words That's words from a, a, a producer and a journalist, direct from word mouth to, to the, the yes, mass audience. Yes, from the there. horse's mouth. Think about that. Well, from the horse's mouth, but don't call Dan a horse. Um, you know, the, the, the thing is, when you've got a story, you've got to think about it, why it's important to another audience. Yeah. Not about you. Not about you at all. And I love the fact you, you, you basically put it down there, Dan. There is no algorithm here that you can put in place to 
actually say you will get run on this. Yeah. You're not going to. It is a little bit of hit and miss. And as Dan says, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. And we come across a lot of people, don't we, Lana, when it comes to that, you just don't know. But when you do get it, you celebrate it. Oh, totally. And sometimes it is just timing. Sometimes you've got all the right ingredients, but on that day there's not enough, you know, there's not enough space, you know, it's just, it doesn't always make sense. So that's sort of like reassuring, but also a little bit terrifying probably, Dan, for all of oh, our listeners. absolutely. Look, look, my, <laughs> my wife is a publicist, and so she deals with this all the time. Ah. And many, many times I have a discussion with her and I'll be like, yeah, that's really great. You guys should buy some ads. You know, like this is this, like <laughs> you yeah, can't even like, get your wife on. Come on, mate. That's right. absolutely no. No, we're luckily we work in different fields, so that that conflict isn't a problem. But and, and then other times she'll do something like have a press conference or have a thing, and it's absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And that's because it, it ticks the boxes that people are looking for. It, it is you know when when the chief of staff, the kind of gatekeepers of these organisations, look at what they have on for the day. They want to mix. Yeah. You know, you, you can't have, um, except on exceptional days, you know, five stories out of Canberra. You've got to have something else. You know, you've got to, and other times, you might have eight incredible stories in your local patch, but you've only got room for four. So those decisions are made quite early because, I mean, you literally have to decide, okay, we've, we've got X amount of crews and they have to be in these locations at these times. We can't cover them all. So judgment calls are made. And decisions are made. And as I said, it is capricious. It's unfair. It doesn't make any sense. That's the media. <laughs> That's awesome. That's why we love it. Dan, I want to ask, apart from obviously the Royal Commission and, and your um, and your book, A Bunch of Bankers, I thought I was going to slip up then, well, Nick Hayes. You're allowed to because we are an R-rated podcast. <laughs> we are. We are. What's what's the biggest, craziest, What what's a story that you've covered, Dan, that stands out over the years, whether it's, you know, arts and entertainment or, or business? What's the biggest, craziest one you've covered? Oh, look, I, mean, I was lucky enough to go to – I lived in New York and America during the 2008 Obama election, oh. and you could kind of see that star rising as it went through and that he was going to beat uh, Hillary Clinton, who was also seeking the nomination, and that he was going to win wow. after the eight-year presidency of George Bush, which you could see as an outsider was running out of pub. And I do remember being in Chicago on the night that he won, and, and even as we got close, all of the newspapers and all of the really serious heads were like, oh, it's a very close election. And all the foreign correspondents like me would look at each other and be like, are you kidding? This, no, no you're nuts. This guy's going to shit at it. Uh, you know, like it was so <laughs> obvious to an outsider that that was going to occur. Wow. Um, so that's obviously a really big thing. But for most journos, it comes down to the people that you meet. And I repeatedly think of people that I met through my work as a radio producer and my work in TV who have generally been in really tough situations and potentially the media um, that you've been able to help them kind of shepherd them through the process and it's helped create a better situation for them. You know, it's helped rectify a problem or it's helped um, bring attention to their plight. Yes, love that. The good power of media. Yeah, uh, and and look, what an amazing time it would have been in the United States at that that particular time. Um, That that was crazy. I will give you an example about the power of the media. So um, Telstra used to, when you were on talkback radio, people would have problems with their phone or their internet, and they would call us and they would get on air and then we would get their details and we'd call the PR person at Telstra and they would assign someone to fix the problem. Sure. Really? Anyway, yeah, yeah. Well, that's All what the they time. do, right? And they, they respond, right? They respond. But the, pro- the problem was that's what it took, right? It took 
that. These these were generally long-standing complaints. You know, the the phone's been out for two weeks or whatever. Anyway, that system was so successful because I said what happened inside that company was they essentially empowered a person to step through several layers of bureaucracy, gave them a certain amount of money they could spend up to to rectify the problem, and they would fix the problem. And what they did, to their credit, was they actually went, well, this works, right? This fixes problems. And so they created a broader system so that anyone who had a problem um, could have their issue dealt with in that way, that would kind of step through the bureaucracy, that would not care about the things, would not care about the amount of money you spent, would actually just fix the problem. So, you know, I, I use that as an illustration of the way that media can get issues solved, certainly for individual people, but it does also give you an insight into how companies can use uh, what comes through communication, what comes through the media to improve what they do. I'd love to tell you a little Telstra story as well. One of the great things, and I know what you're talking about there, when talkback callers used to ring in and complain, when Telstra privatised, the amount of talkback callers that it dropped, the percentage of uh, complaints on talkback radio dropped by 90% wow. that year because everyone was a shareholder of the organisation and didn't want to ring in and complain. <laughs> <laughs> what a great move by Telstra. Here's a little business story for you, well Dan. Well played, Telstra. Well, it has, has, hasn't worked for uh, AMP shareholders. No. Got three shares when they demutualised and now they're worth one-fifteenth of what they were. Yes, uh, a, a, a tragedy for those that were shareholders in that. I mean, Dan, what's, the, what's, what's next for you? Obviously, without you know, sort of progressing, you're doing such a great job there with the ABC and the TV talking business. Is there any goals there for you that you haven't achieved where you, you'd like to sort of see yourself maybe in the next decade? Oh, look, very happy doing what I'm doing at the moment with a great team. Uh, I have another book in the early stages that has a business link but is a kind of a broader look uh, at a particular issue in society. I look very lucky at the ABC, uh, even though it's obviously been uh, had a tough couple of years and we've had to say goodbye to a lot of very experienced colleagues. Um, there are great opportunities there. Um, I'm based in Melbourne where there is uh, an endless supply of, uh, of things to talk about. So, you know, for now, I will just keep burrowing away and working, working harder and, and looking for stories. And, and as ever, as I said earlier, uh, you know, generally bad news is what we're looking for. So if anyone knows any terrible things that are happening uh, and they want to get off their chest, uh, just find me on Twitter and uh, send me a private message and uh, I can, I can, we can have a chat. Well, we love it. We love to end on a positive note. That's not so positive. But you know what? If you've got a negative story, get it through to Dan. Uh, Dan, if people do want to get in contact with you, how do they do that? Uh, the best way is through my email, uh, which is ziffer.daniel at abc.net.au. Uh, don't feel the need to write that down. You can, if you just search for my name on uh, the internet, one of the first things that comes up is my Twitter bio or my LinkedIn. Uh, so people can contact me that way. And your book, A Wunch of Bunkers. Uh, now, <laughs> bunkers. Bunkers, bunkers. Um, you can get that at all good bookstores, no doubt, and probably on all the online sites, Amazon. Were you ever an Amazon bestseller, Dan? Uh, look, the book was um, in, in its category uh, an excellent uh, – well, it was, it was a bestseller. It got reprinted. Uh, look, it, it's a historical document. You know, it's about uh, the, the inquiry of 2018. Already, uh, most of the recommendations of that inquiry have either – they're either going forward or they're not going to make it. So the story has changed somewhat, but certainly a very interesting period, a very interesting encapsulation of the issues there, issues that I would say have been – changed a bit by the pandemic as banks have 
um, altered their business models and they've got out of essentially most of the problematic aspects, most of which was in insurance and uh, financial planning. But uh, an amazing time and a joy to put together. Well done, Dan. Awesome work. Hey, great to have you on the Experts Podcast. I think a lot of our experts are going to get a lot out of this, Lana. Oh, absolutely. ABC Journo, producer, author, very, uh, yeah, illustrious company in your case. And I'm looking forward to the next book, Dan. Hey, uh, and I'm also looking forward to speaking to you next week, Lana, when we get another expert and another media person out there. I don't think it's going to be hard to top this one. No, I can't wait. All right. Have a great (laughs) week, everyone. Look forward to seeing you next week. You have been listening to the Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. To get in touch with the team, head to the Media Stable website, mediastable.com.au.